MSW Media. Well, pour yourself a glass, sit for a spill. It's time to have some fun. Let's do a little thinking, some picking and a drinking. But this is what we're drinking with Dan Dunn. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry that I dozed off for a second. That song is so relaxing. It just makes me... Makes me want to sleep a little bit. But um, hi, I'm Dan Dunn, and uh, what we're drinking on this episode of the show is Japanese whiskey. We're going to be uh, drinking Japanese whiskey throughout the show, and also a little uh, CBD sparkling water from day one, which I'm drinking right now. Delicious. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, Brad Jaffe will be joining us in just a little bit to talk about Japanese, uh, Japanese whiskey and how what you don't know about it could kill you okay maybe not kill you but it'll definitely piss you off but first we got some business to take care of and this is some cool business i talked about this on last week's show with tiffany Thiessen. we're going to kentucky bourbon and beyond it's an amazing whiskey concert festival uh, we're going there uh in september and i got some tickets to give away to bourbon and beyond but let me let, let this guy tell you a little bit about it Bourbon and Beyond. The world's biggest music and bourbon festival is even bigger. September 20th, 21st, and 22nd at Highland Festival Grounds of the Kentucky Expo in Louisville with Foo Fighters. Zach Brown Band. Robert Plant and the Sensational Space Shifters. Gerald Hall and John Oates, John Fogarty, ZZ Top, Leon Bridges, and more. Complete lineup of musical artists and celebrity chefs at bourbonandbeyond.com. Oh, want a whole lot of love. Like they're like Robert Plant and the other guys. And then they play the Zeppelin song. Um, okay, I got a pair of general admission passes for the entire weekend. Bourbon and Beyond, it's like September 20th to 23rd or something like that. It's Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I got a, a pair of passes. You can go for free for the whole weekend. You just have to get yourself to Kentucky and find a place to stay. And to win these passes, uh, you're going to go to my Instagram. It's at the imbiber of follow me, of course. And then you're going to see a picture on there that says giveaway bourbon and beyond. You'll see that. I want you to go there and like that photo. And then in the comment section, tag two friends, because that's what you got to do. Tag two friends. And then I want you to leave a comment and be clever about why you, you deserve these, this pair of tickets to bourbon and beyond. Uh, only one comment entry per Instagram account, but you can get all, everybody you know that's on Instagram can comment, and that will increase your chances of winning. I'm going to give away those tickets on August 30th, which is, uh, I think, this Friday. I'll be reaching out to the winner that I select based on the cleverness, how much I like your comment. You'll get those tickets, and you get to hang out with me in Kentucky. <laughs> exciting stuff in it uh okay so now we're moving on to a uh, new products we got new products I, I got some heat from people because i skipped it last week um because i had uh tiffany Thiessen on um the first new product i'm gonna i'm drinking it right now 
It's called Day One Sparkling CBD Water. This is watermelon flavor. I don't know if you know about the CBD, that the kids are all doing it. If you're high, if you're too high, it brings you down. If you're too low, it brings you up. It brings you to a state of equilibrium. And isn't that what we're all looking for in our life? Equilibrium? CBD stands for cannabidol, naturally occurring compound in hemp. And why would you use CBD? Because it's a natural ingredient known for its ability to combat stress, anxiety, and improve your mood. I don't know about you, but I'm in a great mood. Okay. Time for some other new products. These are adult beverages that are hot off the presses. I have selflessly taken it upon myself to evaluate these products on your behalf. Because that's just the kind of guy I am. I care about you, goddammit. I care about you every goddamn day. I'm not going to lie to you. Some of what I sample tasted like shit. And some of it was just okay. But I'm not going to waste your time with that stuff. I'm only going to tell you about what's good, what's pure, what's righteous. And we're going to begin with Westland Gariana Edition 4 slash 1. You got that. Easy, right? Master Distiller Matt Hoffman is the co-founder of Westland Distillery, which is located in Seattle. It's a red-hot distillery, okay? Broke uh, new grounds a few years back, Matt did, by introducing a whiskey aged in barrels that had never before been successfully used to season spirits. Quirkis Gariana, a.k.a. Gary Oak. It's a species of white oak indigenous to the Pacific Northwest, and this unique wood type provides a bounty of influences, including molasses, dark fruit, honeycomb, and they've been putting it out every year the last four years. Uh, this year's release of Gariana includes some uh, casks, so they blend it with different casks. Uh, so you've got some uh, First Fill X Rye and bourbon casks, but this year what they did is they're marrying the Gary Oak with Pedro Jimenez sherry casks. And what that yielded were notes of uh, dried blueberries, a little fudgesicle, fresh oak, grilled plum. Believe me when I tell you, this is one of the most distinctive and highly coveted whiskeys made in America. In fact, they only made, they're only putting out 3,750 bottles in total around the world. Uh, it's $149 a bottle, but you know, you're worth it. Let's stick with whiskey. We also have a thing, uh, Egan's Irish Whiskey. And I love Egan's because it's a family-owned and operated company, and you don't get that much these days. They'll get bought. But for now, they're family-owned and operated, and they've just released the second volume of their Legacy Reserve series. You're not going to believe what they've called it, Legacy Reserve 2. And by the way, when you're trying to win tickets to Bourbon and Beyond, I said something clever. You got to be more clever than that. But uh, but who cares? The whiskey's good. It's a 16-year-old single malt. It's aged in bourbon barrels, and then it's finished in Banyol's casks made from old vines on the slopes of the Catalan Pyrenees in France. Yeah, that's impressive. And that gives you a little bit of chocolate on the nose, and, and on the palate, it's sweet and fruity, and it's got a little cassis on the finish. You remember cassis? He fought Rocky in Rocky Three. Uh, like its predecessor, Legacy Reserve 2 is limited to only 1,000 bottles worldwide. Only 1,000. So this is something for the connoisseurs out there. It's 92 proof, 46% alcohol by volume, and 200 
$2 a bottle. That's right, 200 bottle. 200 a bottle. And finally, since we're going snobby today, we're going limited edition Remy Martin XO. I went to this launch party here in Hollywood. It was a collaboration with French atelier, Stephen Richard. And Atelier is a metalsmith, and, and Stephen Richard is a globally celebrated French metalsmith who's worked with uh, Karl Lagerfeld, Jacques Garcia, Jean Nouveau. This guy's famous. And he designed the label. It's made of, a, it came out this way to emboss brass with a unique golden texture featuring the Remy Martin XO motif. And the juice is fantastic as well. This is only going to be available in limited qualities as well. You can go online and get it at Reserve Bar, and it, too, is $200. Ah! Scary stuff. Um, So uh, my guest today uh, is a friend of mine, and he's a a, uh, very competent and knowledgeable um, pundit, scribe, man about town. He wrote a piece recently that, that caught my eye, like the cut of his jib. Uh, this piece was about Japanese whiskey, okay? And about, you might not know a lot of things about Japanese whiskey, but you're about to know them. And please give a warm welcome, a what we're drinking welcome to Brad Jaffe. How Thanks. are you, man? Thanks so much for having me, Dan. Yeah, cheers, cheers, by hey. the way. Oh, we're doing oh, we're doing the whiskey, not to <clears throat> yeah. see. Hold on, I was cheersing him with my CBD. There we go. All right. Yeah, I'm feeling so, very equalized from so the CBD right now. You 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 you're high as a kite. <laughs> um, okay, so Brad, uh, we're by the way in our glass right now. We have Hibiki, which is from Centauri. Okay, and tell us about this whiskey, and then what we should know about other whiskeys. For sure. Well, um, Centauri. Um, definitely the biggest name in Japanese whiskey right now. Um, Habiki is a blended product. Um, so I don't know how, how geeky we want to go on this show. Get geek the fuck (laughs) out, man. But, uh, blended whiskey traditionally, you know, in terms of when you hear blended scotch, for example, combination of grain spirit and, or grain whiskey and malt whiskey. Um, they are one of the few Japanese producers that actually has grain facilities as well as the capability to produce malt whiskey. And this is because Centauri's been at it longer than everybody Absolutely. else, and that's yeah. why they've sort of gotten a hold a on he- the supply that exists over there. Totally. Okay. So, you know, they started in 1923, um, so they've been at it for almost 100 years. Um, yeah. Definitely their founder, uh, Shinjuro Tori, is considered the you know the grandfather. Is that your Japanese accent? <laughs> let me hear that again. That, I think that was like... No, let know, me hear that again. Shinjuro Tori. It's uh, pretty good. Yeah. It's pretty, way better than my French. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so actually, th- there's a set of circumstances th- that occur culturally and historically in Japanese whiskey that allow it to be kind of a tough nut to crack. We're living in a time period where we really appreciate transparency, obviously, at least when, when it comes to our, our whiskey. Is this why you're not wearing pants? <laughs> I was wondering. I, I thought it was a radio show. Okay, so yeah, no, it's, I, it's I didn't a think man. Matter. I thought it was. Optional. I just want you to be comfortable. Um, so you know, when it comes to Japanese whiskey, as I say, it's a tough nut to crack because a they kind of tend to be a little bit tight-lipped over there. Um, they there's secrecy that's involved with not just whiskey making, but you know, they they keep things close to the chest. So for I, what you're saying, then is as opposed to say bourbon. In the U.S., <laughs> that has a very well-defined 
a strict set of rules. Okay, yeah. You're saying that doesn't exist necessarily in Japan. Well, that's um, the story that you were alluding to before was something that I was um, trying to bring to the to the forefront in terms of consumers in the United States that, no, there are not the same well-laid-out rules that there are in bourbon and that there is in scotch and that there is in, in cognac. Um, it's, it's a lot looser. But when you read things that are written about Japanese whiskey today in the press, whether it's intended for mainstream or whether it's intended for more industry-focused, it's it kind of glosses over that fact. Everything you read is like, oh, this stuff is amazing, and it's really, really expensive because the supply is dwindled and the demand is really, really high. And so we have a circumstance right now where people are willing to take advantage of that, you know? Sure. Um, and when, when I say take advantage of it, it's because... Very specifically, there is nothing in place right now that says that Japanese whiskey needs to be actually distilled and made in Japan. So think about bourbon. You know, sure. If somebody's going to make bourbon in Brazil and then bring it here and sell it as bourbon, I think that would be that would be met with consternation. I believe <laughs> there would be considerable. So you're saying they could they could bring in juice. From Scotland, yeah, absolutely. They do. So it's it's kind of the same if thing. We're lucky. What happens Scotland. in the olive industry, olive oil industry as well? Yeah. Well, you know, most people don't. A lot of the olive oil that's on shelves did not originate in Italy. Yeah. As long as it makes its way to Italy at some point, they can slap it in the bottle and say "product of Italy." And you're saying that's what's going on as well within Japan. Absolutely. Because they simply do not have. They don't have the supply. They don't of, have the juice to make it there. All of it, definitely. Okay, not. so is that a bad thing? It's not a bad thing um, because ultimately, what matters is what. How does it taste? What's in the bottle? What is a bad thing is misrepresentation and you know people not knowing what it is that they're drinking, particularly when these products become more and more expensive on the shelf. If I'm going to be spending $200, and you could play that screechy, up, upsetting sound again. I'm sorry, you know? say that again? <laughs> if I'm going to spend $200 <laughs> yeah, on a bottle of whiskey, I want to make sure that what I'm paying for, what it says on the label, or what it represents itself as, is what's actually in that bottle. Yeah. And we're not seeing that a lot, increasingly so, in this category. Now, in this one, this particular one we're drinking, which is a very popular Japanese whiskey, mm -hmm. this, this expression from, uh, from Suntory, Hibiki, that is that's that's field to bottle to, to made the, in Japan. To the best of my knowledge, absolutely. But that's the thing is you I don't you know. can't verify that. I don't know. They would never confirm or deny. You know, you get stonewalled a lot when you try and talk about this issue. And I talked about, you know, I'm not the first person to talk about this by any means. And there's some very qualified writers and authors who I consulted for a piece that was already published and a piece that I have in the works on this subject. Yeah, the, so just so we know, the, the piece that I was referencing was for a website called the750.com. Yeah, 750 Daily. And that, that, that came out in July. Yeah, exactly. And then the next piece is going to be where? It's in September, and that'll be with uh, Bloomberg. With Bloomberg, okay. Yeah. All right. And, and so very, just to be very clear and forward you know this isn't intended as some sort of like hit piece on the industry this yeah. is in fact it's because i love and appreciate actual japanese whiskey so much that i think it's really important that we clarify these things and 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 get them all set out in stone so that we have informed consumers and most importantly what i'd love to see is the analog to the scotch whiskey association or the an analog to the kentucky distillers association in japan um some sort of governing body that would lobby is there any is anybody motivated <laughs> to do that? 
that's what's crazy to me in my in my research for these pieces is that you would think that Centauri and Nika, which are the two big names in Japanese whiskey, that they would be pressing the government for this to happen, you know, because if somebody comes in tomorrow, like a, a small upstart, you know, and they don't have a distillery, they don't have anything. If you and I, in fact, I think we just stumbled upon a good business plan. I like it. If you and I want to go to Japan tomorrow, right, and we can import grain whiskey in these big, huge bulk shipping containers, okay, from, if we're lucky, Scotland, okay, and Scotland actually has a lot of excess grain whiskey, so you could do it from Scotland, um, but you could bring it from Brazil, you could bring it from Spain. Are they doing that? Yeah, Brazil, Spain are, are very popular sources, actually, so and Canada. Canada is like are they, are they, are they, they're not even aging it. Are they, are they? Are they? Are they? Are it's they already the, aged when it comes. So they're there. not just getting the distillate; they're getting the aged, they're getting aged spirit. spirit. Yeah. So what are they doing then? Just putting it in all the they're doing it is they, they have to bottle it in Japan. So far as I understand the law as it exists, all you have to do is bottle it there. So to our business plan, we bring in big bulk shipments of Canadian grain. Okay. Sure. At say like a, a dollar uh, for a thousand liters. Okay. <laughs> or let's say a dollar a liter. Okay. Yep. And then we go and we bottle it in Japan and we put on a fancy label that has kanji lettering on it. And now we can sell it for $50 per liter or more, $100 a liter wholesale. You know, you've just. And people. But here's the thing, Brad. You were saying you're, you're hoping to educate, but how do you get it? You, you can't know. How do you get educated on it? Like, is there, there isn't really any recourse. I can't. I can't pick up the phone and call somebody in Japan and go, hey, I'm thinking about buying this. Uh, can you, I, I want to know the provenance of everything that, that's in this product. It's just that. As of now, you as can't As of do now, that. you can't do that. You can't. So I guess then the, the question becomes, so what if you like it? Yeah. And now, but I understand that, that there's so much more that goes into connecting with a product, okay, than... Uh, than just it tastes good, okay, mm -hmm. and and but at the same time, what you don't know won't hurt you. Sort of attitude is like I Ignatius really like bliss. this. I really like this spirit. I don't know if it's coming from Tasmania <laughs> through Japan to me, but I like it regardless. Um, do you do you, or do you feel like there is a vocal opposition to what's going on in Japan? Do you feel like there are people that are purists that are bothered by this i think it's at this level it's such like it, it is an open secret like people can know this if they want to know it but it's known to the geekiest of the geeks yeah. and i think that the the consensus among them certainly the people that i've spoken to for example dave broom who wrote a great book on japanese whiskey is very accomplished uh whiskey writer and author and what he's concerned about he thinks that this is actually like one of the most pressing issues for for the category today but what he's concerned about is that if it were to break or as it inevitably breaks through to the mainstream, he doesn't want like lazy journalism and, and, and reporters that would get that too late. <laughs> <laughs> lazy journal. What? What are you talking about? That would go out there and basically Let me check my press release on that and see what they said. And I'll repeat it. That um, would go with the clickbait, uh, you know, the, the temptation for clickbait to make the title basically like all your Japanese whiskey is fake, you know, because that's not the case. You know, this is, a it, it applies to certain producers and it's not a universal thing and so that would be the thing that would gain traction amongst the you know mass consumers like oh my god japanese whiskey is fake yeah 
by the way, speaking of Japanese whiskey, can I? Do you think I could pour this hibiki into the CBD? I think yeah. So think... I'm gonna do a little. This could be. This could be our new business, dude. We invent it because right, I'm gonna try it right now. I'm gonna pour it in there. So this is Centauri Hibiki, and day one sparkling CBD water watermelon, and I'm going to use my finger to stir it <laughs> like this, and I'm going to. Take a taste, and I will give you my assessment of it in a second. Here we go. Sounds refreshing. You know what I think about that? All right, all right, all right. (laughs) It gets three Matthew McConaughey all rights. It gets three all rights from Matthew McConaughey. Oh, that is really good. Try it. Has has anybody ever given one Matthew McConaughey all right? I I don't know that he just does one. Yeah, I don't think he does a single He just does a one. Um... Now, you brought along another bottle. Yeah. Now, tell us about this bottle. Okay, so I brought along Kokori, which um, is a product that can't... So this is, this is K-I-K-O-R-I. Yeah. Okay. So when we were talking about not having a lot of rules yeah. in, uh, in Japanese whiskey, one thing that they actually do have a rule of that we don't have a rule here is that they can't make their whiskey from rice. Because then That's it steps so on the toes of shochu. Yeah. Exactly. So because shochu is this time-honored uh, drink, the adult beverages, you would say, that's that's been consumed for hundreds of years there, to protect that, whiskey cannot come from uh, rice. But here in the United States, there's nothing to protect. Uh, there's there's nothing that says that a, it's whiskey can be made from any cereal grain, which includes rice. Yes. So here, this is labeled as whiskey. It's so I'm, made let from me rice. just tell you this right now. So the the label is very it's a very thin label, and it just says Kikori, whiskey, product of Japan, <laughs> and then on the back. So there's I maybe if you're looking for clues, it says Kikori's smooth and distinctive flavor has been produced using traditional Japanese methods. And say it was made in Japan, uh, of harvesting of the finest there. ingredients, distilling with pure mountain water, and aging to perfection. All done <laughs> in where? Bulgaria. No, no, no. That was probably made this? in Can Japan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it good, open. though? No, I don't think it's sealed. Just Have open you, right up. So, yeah, like that's, that's one of the things that I wanted to show is that, you know, you could taste this as a very, very light spirit. Okay? Very yeah. light. Um, but... Is it whiskey? I don't know. In it's... Japan, it's actually not. But you know what is whiskey in Japan? There's a product out there that was made Cheers. with with molasses distillate. Okay, I'm not going to name names here, but it's it's not a major producer. But they made a whiskey that's a blend of malt and sugar distillate, molasses distillate, which in the EU can't be called whiskey. Sure. But in Japan, that was labeled as whiskey. Okay. I'll tell you this. I, this is okay. The he, the Hibiki is better. Oh, yeah. And, but does you, this drink like whiskey to you? Not necessarily. It's got a, it's sweet, right? It's got a sweetness to yeah. it. And, and mm, I think this is the difference about knowing how it's made and the procedure of, especially for making whiskey. The composition of that hibiki, the the balance in that that tastes like whiskey. You know, I, if I'm a whiskey drinker, I'm not going to take a sip of that and be surprised. This almost has rum-like qualities to it, don't you think? Um, yeah, I could see that. 
Like there's I mean, a, it's just it's really light. There's a but there's a sweetness there's sugary, to, sugariness it that, to it. Maybe because you said molasses, it's got it's in my head. But it it I don't love it. Yeah, I don't love and I, I don't hate it, but I don't love it. I, 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 but I maybe that's what's going to have to happen, or people are going to have to just go out. and It's going to be trial or error. Yeah, with trial and error with with Japanese whiskey, because how else will you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I this definitely does not. Uh, hold a candle to the Hibiki, yeah. in my opinion. Well, also, Hibiki is is a blended whiskey, very much in the style of a blended scotch. Yes. And so we know that we're getting malt, and we know we're getting grain, and we know that they're coming from Japan. What I love about Japanese whiskey, bona fide Japanese whiskey, is the same thing that I love about Japanese cars or electronics, all these things that they didn't create, but that they deconstructed, right? And then they analyzed it and they built it back together better than it was before. You know, I have a Japanese car like that thing has 165,000 miles on it. I've never had to do anything to that thing except for put gas in it when the gas light comes on and put oil in it like every 4,000 miles or something. I have a Japanese car as well. I have the uh, Toyota FJ that they don't make anymore. (laughs) I think it has 39,000 miles on it. It's 39,000. Eight eight years old. (laughs) Kind of a Los Angelino, are you? And by the way, the funniest part of that is... You know, I wrote the book, American Wino, and drove around the country. But not in that car? I put 16,000 miles on that car on that trip. That's the car that you took? That's the car I took. So basically half of the miles on the car were put on it in four, less than four months. So what, do you just Uber a lot? I just don't go anywhere. <laughs> like even tonight. So Brad, Brad, uh, Brad and I, after we finish recording, we are going to have dinner at Cut Right? Yeah. Wolfgang uh, Wolf- Puck's place Wolfgang. in Beverly Hills. What is it for? It's a rum. Yeah, Speaking Flor, of rum. Flor de Cana. Flor de 30, Cana. 30 year old rum. Oh, man. I'm excited. So we're doing that after. By the way, speaking of steak dinners, I had, I went to Fleming's. Do you know Fleming's? I do. Yeah. Down in Newport Beach. Mm-hmm. I had a wine pairing dinner. If you have a Fleming's in your neighborhood, I think they're doing these around. It was amazing. It was, the, the steak there was so good. I wonder if it'll be on par with Cut. Cut's considered Top. one of the yeah. best. In the country, right? Top notch. So we're doing that after. I just thought I'd. Uh, and we'll probably have some Japanese beef. I would hope. Just I to would tie hope this so. All I don't want any of that stupid American beef. No. Um, no, no, no. So okay. So Brad, here's the thing. What are we trying to say? Let me have more whiskey. Uh, <laughs> let me figure, and then we can talk about what we're trying to say. Um, so what we're trying to say is people should just know, particularly as things become more and more expensive on the in the Japanese category, people need to know here, put what it, it is. Put it in here. Oh, come on, Brad. God damn it. People need to know what, what is in their glass. And um, somebody, uh, I would say a um, paragon of uh, transparency is, uh, and let me make sure I'm pronouncing this right, is, is Ichiro, um, who, Ichiro Akuto, who's famous for Ichiro's Malt, which is from- Isn't he the, on the Seattle Mariners? Not anymore. Okay. Right. But uh, he so went to the Yomi, making, Yomi Yori making, Giants. Back to making whiskey. He had a gotcha. short, All right. short. He, had a, he, he tried his hand at baseball, stint. didn't work out. Now he's back <laughs> making whiskey. All right. Yeah. So not that Ichiro. Uh, Ichiro Akuto, um, who um, is the man behind the Chichibu Distillery, uh, which is in Chichibu Prefecture, about an hour and a half. Have uh, you been outside. there? You've been, yeah, okay. I've been there. You sound like you know what you're talking he's, about. He's somebody that inspired me kind of to write about this story because he's a very open guy. So for example, he released a couple years ago something called Ichiro's um, Malt and Grain Whiskey, World Malt and Grain, excuse me. So on the label, he was the first person to say, hey, you know what? 
I make malt whiskey here. I don't really make grain whiskey. Grain whiskey, if, if your listeners don't know, is something that needs to be done on a huge industrial massive scale. You know, it's very industrial. It's like producing like ethanol pretty much. Um, huge column stills, just massive. He doesn't do that. And he doesn't pretend that he does. So on the label, he says, you know, this is my malt made blended with some of the great grain malts uh, from, or excuse me, from some of the great grain whiskeys from Scotland. And he blended them and he's transparent about it on the bottle. And he considers people that kind of obfuscate or muddy that, he considers that whiskey laundering, which I think is a great phrase. I like that term. Whiskey yeah. laundering. Well... I wish you the best out there if you're trying to get Japanese whiskey. It's 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 it's, it's like the Wild West. You just don't know what's going to happen to you. Um, Suntory is is they have released in the UK and in Japan a product called Ao, um, which is what they label, Ayo. which is what they label as a world blended whiskey. Okay, and they're in unique position to have a true world blended whiskey because Beam Suntory, that parent company, is to my knowledge, the only um, global spirits brand that has uh, equity in Canada, United States, Scotland, Ireland, Japan. So all the five major whiskey producing regions. Yeah. They're blending it together. They're not saying what the actual blend is, but they're saying on the label, this is a world blended whiskey. And the label, if you see it, looks you know like what I have in my hand with the kanji on it. It's, it's you know familiar to people that drink Japanese whiskey. But if you read it, it doesn't say this is Japanese whiskey. It's a world blend. All I want is for them to release that in the United States right now while their supplies, their age statement is, we can't buy their age statement whiskey, yeah. you know? I, I need to, like, remortgage a home in order to do that. Sure. So release that and, and you know, tide us over while we're waiting for their stocks to age again, which is what's happening. Um, but instead, they've gone the route, unfortunately, for me and maybe for you, you know, they're releasing vodka and gin and we're seeing no. that a lot from the Japanese producers is that, that that's how they'll hold us over. It's is, sad. It's is, very sad. Is by releasing clear spirit. Well, Brad, I'm looking forward to the next article, which is coming out in September, you said, in Bloomberg. It is. Um, do, you, do we have a second here to hear from our old friend uh, Zane Lamprey real quick? Hi, this is Zane Lamprey. You are listening to What We're Drinking with my good friend Dan Dunn. Always a good time. That is a fact. That is an absolute fact because I've done it several times. Say, I use that to transition. See how that is? It's like, a, it's like, I'm so psyched. It's, that it's I an got old it. radio thing. Like, I transition now to the to the next thing that we're gonna do, and and I'd like you to stick around for this. Absolutely. I'll I'm just psyched be, that I got to. Follow I'll just up. be talking at you, basically. But uh, <laughs> the, <laughs> but we got plenty of whiskey here. By the way, let, let's get another cheers, cheers here, man. There we go. Let's just we can we can get we can get good and buzzed before we go to cut. I'm just so psyched that I got to follow up, um, Tiffany. That's mm -mm. Kelly Kapowski was Tiffany sitting Thiessen, in this seat baby. where I was before me. I know we oh. did we did this out at her uh, oh, on the set of it. her TV show. Um, okay, so this is uh, this is a uh, part of the show that we uh, what is it called? Oh yeah, what's driving me to drink? It's driving me to drink. How much time I spend alone making those things up? I just hope you know I'm doing this for you. Anyway, what's driving me to drink this week, Brad? Do you want to know? I'm very curious what's not driving you to drink. <laughs> <laughs> what's driving me to drink this week is bad drinking buddies, okay? It's been a good 20 years or so since the last time someone popped me good and hard in the face, and naturally I was in a bar when it happened. 
If I were the embellishing type, I might tell you there was a moment just before knuckle met cheek when I had a profound realization about mankind's primitive instincts. Or the delicate dance between harmony and chaos in the universe. But as a responsible journalist, I must cop to the fact that in the split second it takes for someone to deliver a knuckle sandwich, you don't think much of anything except maybe, oh no, or mommy. The whole thing just happens too fast. It's like a Taylor Swift romance or Jeffrey Epstein's time in jail. Too soon? Too soon? All right. Not soon Um, enough. Yeah. That said, I remember precisely what I was thinking in the instant before I got popped the last time, and it was this. Again, Munchie? So though I knew him a long time, I never got Munchie's real name. He never mentioned it, and I never thought to ask. Um, Munchie was one of those guys from the old neighborhood in Philly you instinctively didn't want to know too much about. What you couldn't help but know about Munchie, though, was that he was a nasty drunk with a short fuse. A night with him usually played like an episode of The Walking Dead. It would start off pretty slow, midway through, everything would go totally bonkers, and at the end, there's a good chance someone you care about could die. Eventually, that someone turned out to be Munchie. Didn't happen in a bar, though. The way I heard it, he got killed during a home invasion. Sad. Poor guy. Who'd have thought a 74-year-old woman living alone would keep a loaded shotgun under her bed? Not Munchie! Thanks. Thanks, Brad. Um, Brad's got drums here, too. Right. Thanks for bringing those. Um, yeah. oh, you, know, you knew. You knew the funny was coming today. Traveling rim shot. Thanks. So the last time he popped me, we traveled to Queens to see our beloved Phillies play the filthy evil Mets. Phil's one. I'm from New York. I know. That's why I put that in there. Afterwards, we stopped for a few at a bar near the stadium where a few turned into a whole lot. And roundabout closing time, Munchie approached a large group of disagreeable-looking New York fans with whom he shared his nuanced feelings about Dwight Gooden and the 86 Mets, <laughs> which is when the relationships there became strained. Volatile. So strained that in the ensuing brawl, Munchie mistook my face for a fist rest. So Munchie was a bad drinking buddy, Brad, and I've had a few, enough that I've developed a taxonomy. Munchie, for instance, was an M80. Once he got lit, a big explosion was inevitable. There are 13 bad drinking buddy types. Would you like to hear about them? 13 total? Would you like to hear about them? Is Lenny Dykstra his own category? Too bad. Uh, All right, Brad, here we go. First one, the M80. We've already covered this. But there is something I forgot to mention. Once an M80 gets lit, the goal, the only goal, is to get as far away as possible before it detonates. Unfortunately, you can't just manufacture a reason and flee. Most M80s are also stage five clingers. And that means they'll manufacture a reason to come with you. At this point, you have two options. There's the old Irish goodbye. That's a tough move in groups of four or less. Unless you're a Murph which will come later. I'll tell you about the Murph later. You want to use the uh, you fly, I buy dodge, which should really be called I say you fly, I buy, then while you're dealing with the bill, I disappear. Basically, you hand the guy a 20, and while he's still angrily waving at the bartender, you're in a cab. It seems abrupt, but have faith that the coming explosion will wipe your transgression from the M80's memory altogether. In fact, you'll be the hero in the story he'll be telling the next day. Bonus... You might even wake up with your teeth. Okay, next type is the Murph. We just touched upon that. Let me have some whiskey for this one. Mm. 
whiskey break. So the Murph is so-called for his mastery of the Irish goodbye. You've heard of the thousand-yard stare, Brad? Once or twice. Seen on the battle-weary soldiers and child stars? You'll see it steal across Murph's mug right around the 90-minute mark of any outing. Ten minutes later, it's, did Murph? Yes. Yes, Murph did. The next type is the influencer. Albert Einstein and Niels Bohr famously argued over whether the moon existed if nobody was looking at it. Here's a thought experiment for the social error. If a night on the town occurs and no one shares every stupid minute of it with strangers on their Insta-snap fucking tweet base, <laughs> did it really happen? For the influencer, the answer is a resounding, I'm live on Instagram right now, say hi! <laughs> you don't have any friends like that. Social media already ruined democracy. Don't let it ruin drinking too! Next type, the muskrat. Like most rodents, the muskrat is a prolific breeder. And once they get drunk, good luck getting them to stop talking about their fucking kids. There's nothing like barely making it through yet another soul-annihilating week of office drudgery without slitting your wrist, only to spend Friday happy hour listening to some deranged carriage pusher high on diaper fumes, droning on about Caden's Mandarin studies teacher and how it's so crazy how the fucking twins body train themselves. Probably geniuses. Super cute. Bartender, you mind passing me that broken beer bottle? Do I seem angry? I seem angry. Muskrats. I'm sweating. Pretty, pretty I'm sweating. Too. Here, hold on. More, let me get the CBD. <laughs> Day one. Time CBD. to equalize. There you go. Yeah. Hold on. Mm. Mm. All right. Where are we at? Oh, next. The next type. Where are we up to, Brad? Do you keeping count? Four. All right. The fourth Something one. Like that, I, There's really 13? I don't know. I'm just going <laughs> to keep going. We're going to ride this wave where it takes us. The mouse. The mouse is the lovable lightweight who tries to keep up with the group but ends up drinking too much and picking fights with scary-looking dudes on the way home. Unlike his close relative, the M80, though, the mouse lacks much throw weight, thus requiring his friends to bail him out, i.e. take it on the chin. Next type is Mr. Fantastic. Once this guy gets a couple pops in him, he's suddenly obsessed with how rich, handsome, and humble he is. Not unlike a certain Cheeto-colored public figure. Only that guy doesn't even drink. Riddle me that. Fifth, sixth, seventh, whatever type we're at is the Vince Neal. And for that, I want you to Google Vince Neal, Vegas, Nicolas Cage. Oh, man. Trust me on this. altercation? No, just Google that. (laughs) Uh, Next up is the Balloon Man. It's the swell cat who magically inflates every bar tab by ordering the most expensive thing on the menu. Uh, Then when the bill arrives, he magnanimously says, let's split it. it. Woe betide those who befriend the balloon man who's also a Murph. Okay, next up we have Miles. Uh, Where's Miles? There we go. Yeah. Miles is, uh, of course, Curtis Armstrong's character from Risky Business, who persuades a young Tom Cruise to convert his parents' home into a brothel with a simple adage about what you sometimes gotta say. Joel, you wanna know something? What? Every now and then, say what the fuck. What the fuck gives you freedom? Freedom brings opportunity. Opportunity makes your future. There you go. What happened to that dude? I don't know. I mean, he like made the 80s. He was great. But the thing about Miles is he always pushed things too far. 
And while he's and while Miles is adept at camouflaging terrible ideas as simple hijinks, hey, let's flirt with those ladies in the VIP section who are talking to the Oakland Raiders. Hey, let's take a spin in that cop car idling outside the bar. Hey, I wonder what the bouncer would do if he gave him a wet willy. But the hands down eeriest thing about Miles is how when you wake up in that holding cell in Fresno, he's nowhere to be found. Consequences simply don't stick to him somehow, which sets him apart from. Hey, watch this guy. This human exercise in intrepid stupidity used to only appear in parts of the country where second cousins are acceptable members of the dating pool. (laughs) Then YouTube showed up. Suddenly, emotionally needy dimwits with access to booze and cell phones started channeling their inner Johnny Knoxvilles and filling out emergency room quotas. Hey, watch this guy craves attention the way a lush craves whiskey. Speaking of which, let's have some whiskey. Cheers. Mm. Not that we're lushes. No. Problem is, he's also a lutz who craves whiskey. Under no circumstances should an inebriated, hey, watch this guy, be allowed anywhere near fireworks, firearms, fire sales, firewood, campfires, fire extinguishers, or your prized copy of Firefall's greatest hits on vinyl. Better yet, keep it simple and keep him away from everything related to either fire or 70s soft rock. Other no-nos include balconies overlooking swimming pools, wedding dance floors, trampolines, sporting events, boats, zoos, amusement parks, and Justin Bieber. And I'm sorry, I know you're a Justin Bieber yeah, fan, was... Brad. I'm sorry. Low blow. Low <sighs> Come low on, blow. man. We're almost there. We have three left. The dog. The dog is the final link, along with Miles and the mouse, in the get-you-into-a-fistfight triumvirate. After a couple of drinks, this guy can't stop himself hitting on anything with a pulse, including the girlfriends of those biker dudes in the corner. It's not going to end well. No, not going to end well. Uh, Type 12, I guess we're at, is the Samuel L. Jackson in a really loud bar. (laughs) Say what again? I dare you. (laughs) Oh, boy, Brad, we're almost there. Are, Are each one of these people driving you to drink? They're driving me to drink. Yeah, a lot of reasons don't, to drink. Don't read too much into this segment. <laughs> I, you'll hurt yourself. And finally, monkeys. Yes, they're cute and full of energy. You'd think they'd be the best drinking buddies ever. But the truth is, monkeys are ruthless thieves that simply cannot be trusted around alcohol. Escaped monkeys acquired a taste for alcohol by eating fermented sugarcane left in the fields. Today, they satisfy their thirst by raiding local bars. They have learned to be sneaky. They have learned to be sneaky. They got Hannibal Lecter to fucking... <laughs> it sounds so much more believable Do the narration. when you have the English accent. That is an actual BBC documentary. You Google alcoholic vervet monkeys. Alcoholic vervet monkeys. Just Google it. Put it on YouTube and watch it. It's friggin' genius. So anyway, it's, I feel incidentally like, the same clip as the Vince Neil Nick Cage. It it's is the same it's footage. same same footage. Same yeah, footage. it's right there. You can just put yeah, put them in there. So um, I uh, did we? Did, I feel like we've covered. I feel like we've covered a lot of stuff. Didn't you? Is this is this the closing music? This is our let's get let's get fun. Well, you don't have pants on. I already talked about this. <laughs> um, so I do want to thank Brad Jaffe for coming on. Check out Brad. Just Brad Jaffe it all over the internet. J a p h e p h e. Check out his piece uh, on the on the seven 
50 Daily about Japanese whiskey and then look for his piece in Bloomberg about Japanese whiskey and then his follow-up piece in Rolling Stone about Japanese whiskey and finally his uh, his documentary series about Japanese whiskey. National Geographic. Coming soon. Monkeys involved. And then your own pod- you're doing a podcast about Japanese whiskey, right? Yeah. With monkeys. Um, I want to thank, uh, I don't know, is there anybody else to thank? Not really. Hibiki for giving us this whiskey that we've now drank half the bottle of. Um, I don't know who's on the show next week, but whoever it is, it's going to be fascinating. So make sure you, oh, and, and don't forget to go to at the imbiber, get on that, uh, bourbon and beyond contest, win a pair of passes whole weekend, the entire weekend at bourbon and beyond. Like that picture, comment on that picture. Tell me why you deserve the tickets and maybe you'll win them. And remember, expensive whiskey is a reason to drink. <laughs>